So, um, two Wednesday mornings ago in our Bible study here at church, and then just this past Monday morning at my worldview class. So, with two very different groups. Um, <laughs> I wasn't saying much there. It's just two very different groups. It's high school juniors and seniors, and then seniors. Um, so, anyway, um, we... We're kind of boiling it down, like, what is, what does, how do you apply this Christian worldview? Um, and we were talking about how it boils down to the great command. And this lawyer comes to Jesus, tries to back him into a corner. Hey, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus had hundreds to choose from. And he brought it down to love. And oftentimes we ask, what is love? But I... Um, I asked both groups the question, but why love? Like, out of hundreds of commands, he picked love. Why, why, why pick that one? Um, of all the things he could have picked. I mean, he even had a top ten list he could have picked from, and he picked love. Um, and we, it was just a wonderful conversation to have with both groups of people. And, you know, we talked about music is full of love, radio is full of love, movies, some people do crazy things for love. I told them that um, in 1993, I came to Texas to get married because I was in love. And um, I told them that I left Knoxville, Tennessee, super, super early, dark in the morning, and a... 1985 Subaru hatchback. It was just a Subaru hatchback because it was the cheapest Subaru you could buy. They didn't even give it a name. They just called it a hatchback. And um, it had no AC, vinyl seats, and the radio I had put in it, someone stole it one day while I was in work. And I'd put it in there so good that they had to steal the entire console out of my car. So there was this big gaping hole with two metal brackets and a bunch of wires hanging there. It was so depressing to drive. And so that was my car. And so it's, it's June, no air conditioned, vinyl seats, and um, no radio. And I tried to explain to these students, there was no such thing as a cell phone yet. There was no such thing as GPS. I had to explain to them what a random McNally road atlas was. You open it up, it's big, you flip the pages, you follow yourself on these lines, and they're like looking at me, you know, and I start to explain to them what a Sony Walkman was with a cassette tape, and I'm listening to this, driving down headphones. It's like I'm explaining dinosaurs or something, you know. And so we're, I'm explaining all this, and um, I mean, in, in East Tennessee, I, I really never had much reason to drive west. Um, I don't think I had ever in my life driven further west than like Nashville. <laughs> no, no lie, because, you know, you always went south or east because that's where stuff was. West was just huge, and so <laughs> Texas was just, you know, and so we, here I go, and um, I was in love. I was in love, and I was going to, and you just do crazy things when you're in love, right? And I, I told him, I was like, you know, I finally pulled into her driveway, and I said, you know what, you know what the girl who loves you says, you know, after a long day, you know, in that car, with no AC, 
in June. You know what she says to you when she loves you like that? First words out of her mouth, take a shower. Yeah, those were her first words when she saw me. That's how in love she was. Yeah, you need a shower. Go. Um, <laughs> yeah, and we have stories. We have stories about love. But when you, like when you read the Bible, just all the reasons to put love front end, center. Um, even, it, it's hit me the last few weeks, um, even if you go back to the Garden of Eden and you look at the first emotions felt after sin, and you look at the very first, the very first thing that happened was fear. It says they, they were afraid and they hid from God. And when you look, when, when John says, perfect love casts out fear, like our oldest, our oldest thing after sin was is fear, and love conquers that. Um, and and today, um, we get to see the biggie for why love. Now the series is free by faith, and there's a the question would be maybe why freedom. We've talked about what freedom, and we'll talk more about what freedom, but, but why freedom? And Alan got to, to do this, have this wonderful, wonderful verse last week about faith and love, and I get to bring freedom into it today. Um, and, we're, and, we're, and we're kind of getting to freedom is really coming in now because we spent four chapters on all these, these biblical examples of why righteousness comes through faith and why Jesus died to bring us righteousness instead of the law. Because these people are coming into the Galatians and say, yeah, Jesus is great, but what you really need is you need to circumcise all these Gentiles and you need to take Moses and you need to take on the law. So you need Jesus and law. And, and Paul is giving them all these reasons why this is not going to work. You're just going backwards. If righteousness comes through the law, Jesus died in vain. And that's not freedom. He's called you to freedom. And so chapter 5 started, we started getting into the nuts and bolts of what freedom's going to look like. But today, we, we really start getting into that freedom. Do you need it? Do you want it? But then the, the big question today is, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? When people get freedom, what do you do with it? Like, you see these videos where they set the animal free, and he just kind of looks around. What am I doing out here? The bird doesn't know to take off. Just this, this bringing together of love and freedom is such a, a beautiful thing. And I want us to see how they, they work together today. It's, it's two paragraphs, um, verse 7 through 12, and then verse 13 to 15 is going to be the big, big focus. So if you'll turn in your Bible there while I run and grab a water and a cough drop. Thank you. Are you there? Yeah. I know most of you are hidden buttons, so. Okay. Um, verse 7 um, fascinating. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. Verse 7 8. Interesting because we've had these little clues all along that the Galatians were, 
were underway by faith. Like they were walking by faith in Jesus. They had come to Christ by faith. And he says, remember, you received the Spirit by faith. Jesus was even doing miracles among you. The Spirit's working among you by faith. You're down the road by faith. They're walking with Jesus. He says, you were running well. Who hindered you? Like who's, what happened? You tripped. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? He says, this persuasion, these people who are persuading you, who are hindering you from running by faith, this persuasion isn't from the one who called you. Now, this is, this is an important little thing here. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but if you were one of the legalists who came in, can you, you can imagine how easy it would be to convince the Galatians otherwise, right? Right, you could easily say something like, well, Jesus was a Jew. Paul's a Jew. God gave circumcision to Abraham. God gave the law to Moses. God called all those greats. God called you. Surely God wants you to keep the law. And Paul says, this, the, the, these people are persuading you away from faith in Jesus and toward the law. That's not from the one who called you. And he uses a Jesus line here. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. That seems so out of place, but you, you can see what he's saying. and We'll kind of see a little bit of this. You remember when Jesus, Jesus said this about the kingdom, but he also said this about the Pharisees. He says, the teaching of the Pharisees, which is what this is very closely related to here. He says, beware the teaching of the Pharisees. He said to the disciples, a little leaven will spread through the entire lump of dough. What's he saying? You put a little yeast in there, and the next thing you know, it's, it's spread through, and the entire lump of dough is leavened. He's warning the Galatians that if you let this legalism into the church, a little false teaching here, little legalism there, and suddenly it's spread into everything. His big thing is, man, if you let circumcision in, like you've got to do this, it's not going to be any time before someone says, well, We've got circumcision. Why don't we add some food laws? How about no pork? Okay, let's add shrimp. Okay, and while we've got those two, let's put some important dates on the calendar where we have to do these things and we should never do these things on this date. Yeah, now that we got those, let's add this law, and let's add this law, and don't do this, and don't do this, and don't do this, and don't do this. And the next thing you know, the law has leavened the entire church. And the church has just become this big legalistic thing where, we, where the church believes that righteousness is all about the rules it keeps. Back to that in a minute. And Paul just, just simply says... I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever it is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross had been removed. I wish those who unsettle you 
pardon Paul for just a moment, would emasculate themselves. Paul, harsh, bro. Um, um, he's like, uh, he's just confident in the work of the Spirit. He's confident they're going to hear and that they're going to come back and go the right direction. And apparently these guys are saying, well, you know, Paul, Paul's a Jew. He teaches circumcision too. And there that was that one time where he had Timothy circumcised for a totally different reason, totally different sermon. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, really, if that's true, then why are they persecuting me? The offense is the cross. That's where the offense is coming from. The offense is the cross, which says all the law-keeping in the world will not do. The Son of God dies because nobody keeps the law. The gospel is the sticking point. And Paul says, I just wish the knife would slip. Cut themselves off completely from the Galatians, but you see the double meaning. We won't get into that. But then verse 13 down to 15, here's just the meat of this. For you were called to freedom. You see that? You were running, you were free, and suddenly somebody threw, tripped you up. You're tangled up in this net of the law. You weren't called to that, you were called to freedom. But there's going to be another temptation. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So that's going to be the temptation. And this is probably what the legalists were telling them. Oh, really? You see what Paul's going to do, they were saying. Paul is telling you not to obey the law because he just wants you to just go crazy. Because if you don't have the law, what are you going to do? You're just going to do any old thing you want. And Paul's telling them, no, freedom doesn't mean you can do anything the flesh. And we're going to be getting a whole lot into this flesh spirit thing next week and the coming weeks. But there's this, this flesh, this learned independence from God. I like that definition. That's Neil Anderson's definition of the flesh. This, we live this life without any knowledge of Jesus, without any faith in Jesus, without the presence of Jesus, without dependence on Jesus. We learn to live independently of God. And we learn that and it gets deep into us. And that's one of the big marks of the flesh. And when you come to Jesus, God doesn't hit the delete button and that just disappears. You spent your life learning that. You got all these patterns of thinking, and then you've just got this built-in sense of dependence. Of, I'm going to do this my way, and I'm not going to live by faith. And I just, I'm just, just show me the rules, or just you know what? I just don't need any of that. This independent self. Paul says, "No, freedom from the law does not mean freedom from obedience." Freedom does not mean freedom to indulge in whatever the opposite behavior of that law is, right? So, so you can imagine these legalists are saying, well, listen, if you don't obey the food, law, food laws, you'll just become gluttons. Paul's saying, no. Oh, if you don't obey the Ten Commandments, you'll just do the opposite. Paul's saying, no. 
That's what Peter says later. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. And this is the rest of the verse. I didn't even read the whole verse. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So do you see this? This is, this is the beautiful thing in this text. Use your freedom that you're free now. Now that you're free, through love, serve one another. Paul, Alan got to end with the, this amazing verse last week. Faith working through love. So what is the goal of all of this freedom? What is the goal of freedom? The goal of freedom is to love and to serve. He says the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I've already had this conversation with someone this morning. Someone was reminding me of the State Farm Patrick Mahomes commercial. I've got one word, right? What is it? Home auto, da 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 da. Someone says, that's not one word. And he says, well, it is if you bundle it. <laughs> I just thought this was so funny. Paul says, the law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Paul. <laughs> that's, that's seven words. Poor Paul. That's where Patrick Mahomes got this. He got it from the Apostle Paul, if you're wondering. State Farm is reading in their Bible, I guess. I don't know. But <laughs> so the way to fulfill, so, so let's, let's put this all together. Freedom, faith, love, serve. And that fulfills the law. So the way to fulfill the law is to not fulfill the law. And what I mean is, the way to fulfill the law is not to fix your heart on the law and on keeping the law. But the way to fulfill the law is to trust Jesus and love him and love people. The legalist was saying, okay, here's circumcision. This is the gateway to the law. Try hard, do all of this, and you will be righteous. And Jesus says, here's me. <laughs> I kept the law for you. I died for lawbreakers like you. If you trust me, I will put my righteousness on your account to you. And if you walk by faith in me, you experience a life of faith working through love, service to others. So then the freedom that comes through faith and promise works through love to fulfill the law by loving your neighbor. <laughs> and that takes faith too. Because loving your neighbor can be a risky proposition, right? I mean, it comes down to it. Faith working through love. Love your neighbor, fulfill the law. That's what freedom is. Like, let's put yourself there. What if you're a Jew and your neighbor's a Gentile? That might take faith. 
Or what if you're a Gentile and your neighbor's a Jew? That might take faith. I don't know how they're going to react when I show up with a plate of brownies or mow their yard. What if I break some sort of cultural tradition that I don't know about? Do some sort of taboo in the process. What if I offend them? What if it doesn't go right? What if I say something wrong? What if I look dumb? You don't know the consequences of loving your neighbor. You don't know the cost of loving your neighbor. You don't even know if your neighbor wants to be loved. (laughs) Your neighbor just might be like, I just want to watch my TV. You know, just... You just never know if rejection will happen. You just never know what happens when you choose to love someone you know or love someone you kind of know or love someone you don't know or when you have to love a, you have to cross some sort of cultural boundary of some sort or when you're meeting a need. That's why it's faith working through love. It's like all of that law, all of that life wrapped up in one thing. Faith in Christ is the path to righteousness, the path of salvation. But faith then, practically speaking, in this world needs a channel. And the channel of faith is love. That's the, that's the, the channel in which that faith flows is love for God and for neighbor. Faith needs a focus And that fulfills the law. That's freedom. And Paul gives one last warning before we get back to this. But if you want to take the law path, he says, if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. What? If you take the law route, if if you are just going to be committed to righteousness by rules, you will end up chewing each other up and swallowing each other till there's nothing left. Because the rules are never satisfied. And no one will ever quite be good enough once a group of people go down a path of righteousness by try hard. Because what happens is, is once a group of people go down a path of righteousness by rules and regulations and tribal identity, what will happen is they will start by condemning all the people out there who don't keep their rules. Nope, you're out, you're condemned, you're condemned, you're condemned. You out there, nope, you don't do it right. Those people don't do it right. Those people don't do it right. Those people definitely are headed to hell. Those people don't have a chance. Those people, those people, those people, those people, those people. And once we have all those people out there who don't keep all the rules right and they're going to hell in a handbasket, then those people will turn on themselves and it will be, yeah, you know what? That girl across the room, she's not very good at rule keeping either. And you know what? They aren't either. They aren't either. And that group will get smaller and smaller and smaller because nobody will ever keep enough rules well enough because what it'll be is it'll end up being a bunch of people like in the story Jesus told where the Pharisee and the tax collector went up to the temple to pray and the Pharisee prayed 
I thank you, God, that I'm not like that guy over there. <laughs> because I do this, this, and this. Those kind of people will eventually devour each other. Okay, let's, let's bring this and try to make this, bring this home. Because I've been thinking about this a lot this week. Like, um, just, I've been watching my mother-in-law try to get to heaven this week. Don't know what the delay is. Um, I've been thinking a lot about freedom, like, like, are there layers of freedom? Are there degrees of freedom? Like, I know there's a moment of freedom, but are there also moments of freedom? You know know what I mean by that? Like, you probably, there's probably people in this room who maybe had addictions. I, I have friends like this. And like, they heard the gospel and they received Christ and it's like somebody flipped a switch and it's like their addiction, they were free from it like that. Like they never wanted that thing again. They were free. Like the chains fell off. Maybe you were one of those people. Maybe you know people like that. And then I know people who came to Christ and they struggled their whole lives. And then there's the person who found freedom in incredible ways but never found freedom from like maybe bitterness or unforgiveness or insecurity or fear, fear of rejection. Like, I have this friend named Steve who had one of the most incredible testimonies of just such a powerful story of salvation. Like, this man was so transformed. He's just one of those guys, like, if you had known him, you just looked at him and said, that is a tale of transformation. But he struggled with a certain kind of brokenness on up until his 50s, until he took his own life. He was never free of it. So I just, I've just been laboring over this this week. Like, are there layers of bondage and freedom? Are there different kinds of freedom? Are there these controlling beliefs that go deep beneath the surface? Let me put it this way. Let's talk about the moment of freedom. The moment of freedom. Romans 6, 7. The one who has died has been set free from sin. When you meet Jesus, he sets you free from sin. That's true of everyone in this room who's trusted Christ. Sin is no longer your master. Sin is no longer your owner. 
Romans 6, 20 through 23. For when you were slaves, a slave is someone who's not free, right? We, we see that. You were free in regard to righteousness. <laughs> you were free in your sin and free from righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things was death. But now you have been set free from sin, become servants of God, and the fruit you get leads to sanctification, the end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there is this moment of freedom This moment where the gift that is free of eternal life, we are set free from eternal death. You're set free from condemnation. Romans 8, 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So in a moment... You were set free from the wages of sin. In a moment of faith in Christ, you were declared not guilty. And you and I were set free from condemnation, free from the law, free from death, free from the fear of death, free from the opposite of everything that's eternal life. In a moment. But then Jesus says... There's this little moment where Jesus is having this thing in John 8 where he's like, he's saying things, you know, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood and it's like, gets real wild and his PR person are like, people are like, Jesus, don't say stuff like that. Like, and people are wanting to leave and the Pharisees are coming down. It's just like this really difficult moment. And Jesus just says this very simple. He says to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. And he And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you abide in my word, if you go to John 15, if you abide in my word, and my word abides in you, you bear fruit. If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So there's a sense in which we spend the rest of our lives, all our days, seeking to abide in the words of Jesus, seeking to have the words of Jesus abide in us, And it just kind of seems to me like there's another kind of freedom that just kind of comes layer by layer. Another step of freedom. Another little act of freedom. Maybe another lie that's held us captive that Jesus sets us free from. Another little moment where we chose faith through love, where we think to ourselves, you know what? Three years ago, I would have never chosen that. And I just did. Thank you, Jesus, for setting me free. It's an amazing thing, freedom. (laughs) And I'm still figuring out how it works. So, what if we just thought of it like this? Maybe if instead of waiting for Jesus to give me a certain level of freedom, what if I did something different? Like, what if we said, well, how do I know if I'm free? I would just say, okay, let's take this passage. How do you know if you're free? Look for someone to love. Just look for somebody to love. 
And then God, ask God, God, give me the faith to serve them. Freedom, faith working through love. How does love fulfill the law? <laughs> serve one another. Okay. Who is it you're calling me to love? How do I serve them? It might be something seemingly small or insignificant. It might be especially small or insignificant. But that's what freedom looks like. It looks like trusting Jesus to love and serve another person. Because what happens in that moment is you get out of yourself. You get out of condemning yourself. You get out of condemning another person. You get out of a law-keeping attitude and you move in grace. You move in a faith and love posture. So if you're like, I'm not sure if I'm free, who are you going to love? That'll answer your question. (laughs) And if you're around humanity at all, we live in a crowded world. And you pray the prayer, Jesus, who am I going to love? Who am I going to serve? What's it going to be? Guarantee you he will show you. I just know he will. Okay, let me sum it up with two moments from Jesus' life. Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. He's in his hometown. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And he has sent me to proclaim liberty. Liberty to the captives. Freedom to the captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. And to set at liberty. It's twice he used the word liberty. Freedom to those who are pressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then back to John 8. If the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Can I pray for us? Jesus, this is why you came. Liberty, freedom. We are oppressed by sin. You set us free. We are oppressed by death. You break those chains. We are captive to condemnation. You break that. Captivity. Thank you, Jesus, for that moment when freedom that cannot come any other way comes to us. Thank you for the blood of the cross. Thank you for what you purchased for us Thank you for light that comes to our eyes, freedom that comes to our souls. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room. God, if there's anyone here who's not experienced that, may this be the moment they trust you for liberty. Trust you for freedom, salvation. 
And Lord, I know my brothers and sisters, I know my own heart, I know what we struggle with, we all struggle with something, and I know that some of us, it just seems like it's been the same thing, and it's just easy to just kind of get wrapped up in this little bitty package that is ourselves, and Lord, I pray that today and in the coming days, you'd help us to just get out of that little world of our own little lives. And just look around and see who it is that you'd have us to love and to serve. Because we are surrounded by people who need to know your love. And who need to know that the the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to lay down his life as a ransom. May we be like you, Lord Jesus, in that we love and serve. So God, I pray that right now, this would be the prayer in our hearts. Who would we love this week? Who would we serve this week? And would you show us the opportunity? May we not turn it down because it seems like it's nothing. May we not turn it down because this person seems too different to us. May we not turn it down because we're afraid of the consequences. May it be a moment of faith that we take. It may be obvious that it's a moment of love for us, Lord. Set us free, Lord, to love and to serve. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, y'all. Have a great week. Can't wait to hear your stories. You've been listening to Sunday Morning at Creekside Church in Spring, Texas. We're glad you joined us. For more information, please check out our website at www.mycreeksidechurch.org.